The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 30. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. We got a playoff game to talk about, everybody. Eagles-Bears coming up on Sunday afternoon. Who'd have thunk it just a few weeks ago uh, when the Eagles walked off the field in Dallas that we'd actually be previewing a playoff game? Uh, but here we are, getting ready for one of the four wildcard matchups, and we'll get into all of the wildcard matchups this week. Uh, we're going to go over the injury report, detail this game uh, forward, backward, in, out, every which way you can imagine. And joining me to do that is the brain behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com. Brandon Lee Gowton, BLG, how you doing, my man? John, your boy, Kirk Cousins, came up huge <laughs> for the Eagles in Week 17. By... Kirk Coupons did it, baby. I knew he could come through. <laughs> by totally choking. Um, going back to you know making those picks between the Bears and the Vikings game, I was like, I, I said it. My heart was telling me, how can I possibly pick Cousins to win? Uh, and thankfully, he lost. The Bears gave the Eagles a huge favor and maybe a detriment to themselves. We'll see. Mm -hmm, But the mm -hmm. Eagles are in the playoffs, baby. That's awesome. Uh, There's really no way that we were realistically thinking about this when they walked off the field in Dallas, like you said, and for good reason. They had like a 0.6 wildcard chance. Like, this wasn't wasn't supposed to happen. Like, a lot of things happened, crazy things, to get where we are. So let's talk about it. So, I mean, just saying that 0.6% chance of getting the wildcard, everybody needs to remember... When we talk about all these percentages of making the playoffs and all this stuff during the year, they're just for fun, you know, because obviously anything can happen in the NFL if enough stuff goes on. And, you know, it's funny you talk about the Bears beating the Vikings, allowing the Eagles to get into the playoffs, and now the Eagles are going to play those very same Bears here coming up this weekend. It reminded me a lot, for baseball fans who are listening to the podcast, of that uh, 2011 Philly season when uh, on the very last day of the season, the Phillies had already had everything 
getting locked up, and they beat the Braves um, in extra innings on the, on in game 162. And the Cardinals got into the playoffs because the Phillies beat the Braves in a game the Phillies didn't it didn't matter to them in any way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah, I that, that first round playoff series, the Cardinals beat the beat the Phillies, who had won 102 games that year in five games in one of the most uh, uh, crushing baseball uh, series in in city history. So I mean, it's I'm just saying, Chicago Bears fans. It's it sometimes sports really sucks. <laughs> you know? Um you know, and it could happen. It could very happen, very easily happen this week, BLG. And by the way, follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Gowton if you don't already. Um but uh if you have been keeping up at bleedinggreennation.com, you know we got a lot of great content about the the playoff game coming up here. Um so make sure you keep checking the the website out. But on the podcast here, we, we have to talk a little bit about last week first before we jump into the Bears and you know the great thing is that I think no matter what happens from here on out, BLG, the, the 2018 season went from being a disaster, went from being a lost season, to being a successful season. I know when we talked a little while ago that winning a wild card wasn't really something that interested us all that much. We were really focusing on the NFC East. We were focusing on beating the Dallas Cowboys. And when the Eagles walked off the field in Dallas after getting screwed by the referees on the opening <laughs> kickoff, after playing terribly in the first half, and then blitzing, you know, the offense going on a, a, a blitzkrieg in the second half to, to tie the game up, and then losing the way they did in overtime, losing twice to the Cowboys, looking like they were dead in the water. There's no way any sane person could have imagined that we would be talking about, that we would be preparing for a playoff game against the Bears, a playoff game I think that is very winnable, BLG. Yeah, very winnable. And to kind of just talk about, you know, how this team has turned it around. I think a lot of people are obviously going to be like, it's all Nick Foles. And look, him coming in has certainly helped. I'm not <laughs> trying, not trying to deny that he's been right. great these past three weeks, but to be like, it's only him. It's just, it's not true. I mean, this, when you look at it, they're five and one in their last six. Like this run started before him. And if they yeah. don't get screwed in Dallas, they go three and oh, uh, in the start of the stretch here. So they would be six and zero over those six games. Like that's what that's what it comes down to, and I think that goes to Doug Peterson. I, I tweeted it out earlier this week where I was like, "Man, you look at where this season could have gone really wrong. It was when you know they're coming off this forty-eight to seven loss to the Saints in New Orleans. You have Malcolm Jenkins calling out the team's effort. Jason Kelsey uh, the week before, I think, just had you know said talked about kind of accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this team was kind of at a, a weird spot and. Very disappointing, uh, of course, but you know, and then that kind of continues as they get down nineteen to three at home against a bad Giants team. Yeah, I forgot about like, that. Man, like the season's over. Like right here, this is this is awful. And all of a sudden, Malcolm Jenkins gets a huge interception mm-hmm. on Eli Manning, and the team just never looked back from there. And, and in terms of going on this run that they've gone on late in the season. So it kind of started back then when you really think about it. And when you look at the offense, like they were turning a corner around that time. Now it helps. They were going up against some bad teams there, but still, I mean, they, they were finally getting something going. Um, you look at the chart of 11 personnel versus 12 personnel as Benjamin Solak has been talking about yep. for basically every podcast and rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. Um, you see it like the trend was starting to go away from 11 and more towards 12, which has been their most efficient package all year. So I'm not trying to take credit away from Foles. I'm just saying like, let's give credit to other people too. Like Doug Peterson, who I Mm -hmm. think has done 
a great job. And it's definitely not some, you know, fraud coach that we made him out to be. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, how much are we talking about Frank Reich and John Filippo? You know, right. as much, not as much recently. I'm, I'm not to say they're bad coaches. I mean, they're good, but just like, you know, it's not like Doug was this total puppet, which I think was a silly storyline that was out there because look, these guys are playing hard for him and the offense is playing well. So you can't just say like he doesn't get any credit for that. So um, I think that's been huge for this team down the stretch. It's part of why you feel good about this team. There's good coaching here. Um, so that's really big. Um, when you look at this opponent this week, the Bears, um, it's it's tough because on one hand, you can look at their schedule and be like, yeah, who have they really beaten? Um, it's They don't have a super you know impressive resume in that sense. But I look at their losses, and they only have four of them this year, and all of them have some kind of like really like they could they almost could have won that game factor to it so hmm. you start out week one they're up big on the packers aaron Rodgers comes back in and comes back in and he leads an incredible comeback that only aaron Rodgers can kind of lead like what well, you almost can't do anything about it it's like yeah. when aaron Rodgers is on like <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah right you're exactly just, you're out of luck so they lose that game by one point in week one and again it's like matt Nagy's first game as a head coach too so like okay you know, you're not gonna like hold that majorly against him and then they go on they lose um in overtime to the giants at one point and that's what chase daniel starting and it was at the meadowlands so like okay you know not really not the worst loss uh they lost to the patriots at home it's their only home loss this year and it came on a play where they were one yard short of hitting the end zone there and mm. tying it and sending it into overtime. Oh, and it's the Patriots. Like, so right, yeah. That's another one of their losses. And their other loss was a, a really crazy game down in Miami in overtime, once again, where they lost and they easily could have won there. Cody Parkey misses a field goal, and all of a sudden the Dolphins win instead. So, I mean, you look at that, and you know, we can sit here and say, you know, this isn't a juggernaut of a team. And they're not unbeatable, but they're tough. I think they're a legitimate opponent. And I think, you know, when you look back at last year's Eagles run, I think we might undervalue in comparing it from last year to this year that, you know, they don't have home field advantage. And I think that's big. And it's going to be tough to play on the road. So uh, they have their work cut out for them in this one. Yeah, no, having having to play all these road games is definitely going to be a huge challenge. That's one of the reasons I felt the Eagles could get to the Super Bowl last year, even before Nick Foles went on his run, after they lost Carson Wentz, who was having an MVP season. Because when you are the home team and you only have to win two home games in a row to get to the Super Bowl, that is an immensely easier road to travel than playing three straight road games to get to the Super Bowl. And you just got to knock them out one at a time. The Eagles almost pulled it off in 2008 uh, when they got in on the last day of the season and they went into Minnesota in the wild card round and beat a Vikings team that really, frankly, wasn't very good. And then they took on the Giants team, which was 13-3 and that year. That was the top seed in the NFC, and they went into New York and dominated that game and then lost to the Cardinals in the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, that's... Oh. It was a heartbreaker, but, you know, that was also... Kevin Curtis. Yeah, oh pass interference. It was totally pass interference. I mean, come on. It was ridiculous. But, um, you know, that's just... That's why it's so difficult, though, is, is you know, by the time you get to that third road playoff game, it's, it's really hard. But, you know, I think with the Eagles, we're seeing a team that's hitting their stride at just the right time. And I, I just... 
you could feel it from the beginning of the season that it felt the the beginning of the season felt weird. You know, it it felt like they were still adding players as the season went along. Wentz coming in uh, three games in, Alshon Jeffrey coming not starting until the fourth game, and then guys guys getting hurt at the same position over and over again as you're trying to bring new guys in. And it just it they, there was never enough continuity with this team. And Jason Kelsey talked about it uh, today as we're recording this on Thursday night. Talked about it on Thursday afternoon with reporters when he was talking about the account comments that you mentioned a few minutes ago he said today that he used the wrong word he what he was trying to get across is that the players just were not executing and that's something we talked about on those podcasts is that we didn't necessarily see Doug Peterson doing a lot of things wrong I think a lot of some of his personnel usage was a little bit head scratching to us but we noticed players especially on the offensive line but lots of players committing penalties just getting caught in the wrong place uh, and you had some guys because of an experience where that was the case, especially in the secondary with all of the, the injuries there and losing Jay Ajayi for this, you know, for, for the season early on and not having Darren Sproles for most of the season. There were a lot of headwinds facing this team, and I don't think it really feels like this team arrived here in the 2018 season until about two-thirds of the way into the season. And now it feels like we've got the Eagles. This is the Eagles team kind of that we expected, not with not with Nick Foles at quarterback. You know, we expected to see Carson Wentz, but here we are. You know, this is still an injury-ravaged team, but the offensive line, which was the big strength last year, is playing about as well as they did in that Super Bowl run last year. And you've got in Nick Foles a guy who is slinging it. So I also think you have to give some credit to Jim Schwartz, BLG, because yeah. what he has done with a Band-Aid ravaged uh, secondary and managing to get these guys through a season to the point now where the secondary feels like it's actually stabilized is goes is really tremendous and I know you know we were really some people were talking for Jim Schwartz's head with all those blown fourth quarter leads and now I gotta believe he's a he's a very secure coach in this organization I mean he could get a job elsewhere if anything that's true um, too I, I I don't know I'm generally not like you know the biggest fan of hiring defensive coaches, but I think he should at least get interviews. You now you look at some of these other guys getting interviews this off season, like like Adam Gase again, or yeah. like Mike McCarthy. Like okay, like Jim Schwartz can't get an interview. Um, <laughs> so I just yeah, I think what you you look at what he's done, and you look over just these last three games, if you because that's all the focus lately and all the rage here when the Eagles have been on this three and zero streak. I mean, the Eagles ranked tied for six and tied for ninth, respectively, when it comes to sacks and takeaways. So, you know, they're getting to the quarterback. They're they're getting great pressure. They're taking the ball away. It's just, you know, that unit is playing pretty well right now. And they're playing with confidence and just in swagger. They're not, you know, they're not the Bears. They're not the Bears defense. They're not going to be this absolute shutdown unit, but they're going to be competitive. And that's what Jim Schwartz wants his defense to be. Like, that's what he looks for in his players, especially the quarterbacks, the defensive backs. We know that. He wants guys who, yeah, they might get beat every once in a while, but you know they're gonna they're gonna not let that hang on them, and they're gonna turn around and make a big play at some point. And that's what we've seen from this defense. You know they're certainly gonna bend at times, but they've done a great job of not breaking. I mean they rank number one overall in red zone defense still with all these injuries that they have here. So that's really impressive. Um, it's been huge for this team after you know earlier in the season they just weren't taking away the ball at all, and that was a huge problem. They weren't getting. They were never setting up the offense. Yeah, no short struggling. fields. No, yeah, there short was no fields. short fields. Yeah. So, like, you already have this offense. They can't do anything. And then they can't get any help either from the defense in that regard. So, it just wasn't a good formula for winning. John, you talk about how 
you know, just the feel of this team. And I think that's a big thing going on right now. Like that's not something you can put in the stats or quantity. Like it's just the feel, like the feeling of this team right now. And Brett Favre even kind of said it when he, he called the Eagles the hottest team uh, heading into the playoffs here. And, you know, for whatever you think of Brett Favre, I think we're all kind of thinking that thing. I think we're thinking like, man, there's a confidence that we have in this team. Yeah. And it's not – I don't think it's just because of what they did last year, but I certainly think that factors in. I just think it's – they're playing like – fundamentally good football in the sense that like if you have if you're good in the trenches you're gonna win football games and when you get good quarterback play you're gonna win football games this is not like it's not like this team got into the playoffs by like scoring a bunch of special teams touchdowns or or something fluky no it's like legitimate wins like the offensive line is just playing great and Nick Foles is getting rid of the ball quickly which certainly helps and then on the other side of the ball I mean Fletcher Cox is having a monster stretch to end the season he was amazing against Washington I know they were playing backup guards but still yeah and Michael Bennett I thought Brandon Graham looked like the most like he's been healthy and actually looking like Brandon Graham against Washington, even though that didn't fully show up in the stat sheet. He just looked so much more active and healthy out there. So I think it's kind of interesting, John, when you talk about the comparison to last year's team, because when you look back at week one, that felt like such a, I don't know if it's a smooth or natural or weird. I don't know what the word is for it, but it just, it felt like 2017 in week one because, you know, they're playing the Falcons and, you know, the, the offense can't really get going too well for either side. It's a close game. It comes down to the end. And at the end of the game, it ends with Steve Sarkeesian being unable to get the ball in the end zone once again. So it kind of just, there was that deja vu moment. And then after that, you didn't feel like you saw too many signs of that 2017 team. But going down the stretch, now we're seeing it again. And that's a very good feeling. And honestly... Like, why would you bet against this team? That's like why yeah. I know they have to play on the road. I know the, you know, Foles is banged up, you know, in addition to being a streaky player. He has these yeah. bruised ribs he's dealing with. I'm not saying like everything is rolling in their favor, but it's almost just like, how could you possibly pick against them again? Like, this is the team, you know, that no one believed in last year when they got into the playoffs. I mean, we did for the most part. Um, well, especially you know, I after think the Falcons win. I mean, after, after the Falcons, yeah, after okay. The Falcons win. We not going in right there, but I'm saying after the Falcons win. I got gotcha. like, and I'm talking about more generally. We as like we in Philadelphia, like yeah, yeah, nationally, like no one believed in them, even when they did win the Falcons games. Right, everyone was still taking like the Vikings, and everyone was still taking the Patriots in yep. the Super Bowl. Yep, but like. I was just so confident they were going to win. I was a little bit nervous about the NFC Championship game. I, th- I picked them to win. I thought it was going to be closer, obviously, than 38-7. <laughs> yeah. But once they got to the Super Bowl, I was like, they're going to win. Like I-, I honestly just had no doubt in my mind. And it wasn't even like an arrogance. I felt like I just I knew it. Like I just felt like I knew it. And I feel like I'm getting that same kind of feeling right now. I'm not necessarily about winning the Super Bowl just yet. I mean, sure. I can't just say that so easily. But just... In terms of like this game and just where the team is at right now this week, I just have that kind of feeling of like there's no uneasiness. There's no like, oh, man, what if this? It's kind of just like they're going to play good football. It kind of doesn't really matter who the opponent is because if you're playing so well in the trenches and your quarterback is playing really well and you're getting great coaching and you're going to have a chance every week and you're a really good team. Yeah. You know what's really nice about where they are right now is that 
the fact that they got off to such a rough start this year, but managed to finish nine and seven and make the playoffs, it's it's kind of gravy from here on out. You know, I mean, they they won their Super Bowl last year, so the pressure of winning that first Super Bowl is not on this team. So they can go into the playoffs loose here. You know, they're the number six seed, and and I know you meant you tweeted this stat out earlier today that number six seeds are fifteen and seventeen. All time in thirty-two wild card games that's against number three seeds. That's closer than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's not that's not crazy, right? I mean, that's, that's since like two thousand two. Yeah, it that's, really is anyone's game. Absolutely, it absolutely is. And so, when and when you look at teams normally in that spot, most of them are not defending Super Bowl champions. Most of them are teams that maybe have been in the playoffs once or twice before, or maybe they're new teams into the playoffs that get in as a wild card in their first year that that they've been in the playoffs in in some time, whatever it might happen to be, but. This is a team that can go in there. There's no expectations that they're going to get back to the Super Bowl here because they're the number six seed. In some of our minds, I think we feel like there's a great chance they could do it because they did do it last year. They just did it in a much different way. Like you mentioned, two home playoff games versus three road playoff games. Big difference. (laughs) Big, big difference. And that team had a better roster, had a healthier roster than this Eagles team right now. There There were more good players on that 2017 team just because this 2018 team has lost a lot of guys to injured reserve so far this year. And But, I mean, that's the beauty of the situation the Eagles find themselves in as far as I'm concerned. The, the 2018 season was redeemed. And if they lose in the opening round to the Bears, you say, you know what? They came back. They had a great, you know, they, they finished up the 2018 season strong. They're going to get everybody healthy. And you, you made the playoffs the year after the Super Bowl. You at least got back to the playoffs. It wasn't a 2005 type season. It wasn't a lost season. You got yourself back in the tournament and you lost to it. You had to play some road games and you lost to a good team on the road, which happens. And you can, if, you know, the fact that you have the Super Bowl already in your back pocket helps. Helps you swallow that a little bit easier. So for me, I think the I think the pressure's more on the the, the Bears this weekend than it the is pressure's on the Eagles. Off? <laughs> I think Don't it's off that. the Eagles. I think. Well, no, I, I know, think... but like Doug said that earlier this year, and it was so bad. It yeah, was like that... so mistimed. Well, nice thing um, is I'm not the coach, so right. <laughs> the players aren't Thanks. listening to me. You know, <laughs> no disrespect, John. Um, no, I get I you. I get you. Um, you've kind of you kind of danced around it when you were talking about there, like this idea of playoff experience, because that's been talked about this week. It's been some people have written about it, and I don't know. I guess I want to hear your take on it before I give my take because I want to see where you're at. Well, I think I think the playoff experience is a real thing. I, I think especially at the quarterback position. I, I, mm, I think you yeah. you see quarterbacks who have gotten rattled. I I, I remember. <laughs> One of my favorite games that I ever went to was that 1995 wildcard game where the Lions came in with Scott Mitchell and they'd won like seven in a row and everybody thought the Lions were going to blitz their way to the Super Bowl. And Scott Mitchell went into Veterans Stadium in a playoff game and absolutely imploded. I had never seen any quarterback absolutely shrink. And he was red hot, too. I mean, that guy was was throwing it as well as anybody in the league. And I, I don't I think that when you're talking about the quarterback position, I think playoff experience definitely helps. I I think if you're a team that gets down early in a playoff game and you don't have that playoff experience that you can fall back on, I think you can panic. I think you can try to do too much, try to make too many things happen. And, you know, that's as we've seen with the, with the Eagles this year, that's when mistakes happen. So I do think that playoff experience also in the, with the coaching staff, you know, the coaches know how to get their players prepared for, for a game like this to, you know, to know what to expect that the, they, they know that the adrenaline is going to be there and how to handle it. You know, I, so I think, I think there is an aspect to playoff 
playoff experience that does matter. I think, generally speaking, talent matters more and home field advantage matters more most of the time. I would rather have those two things necessarily than experience. But I think if you're a team like the Eagles taking on a team like the Bears, the experience that they got last year helps and is an advantage in in, in an intangible kind of a way. But what do you think? Um, I don't know because I think you know it's it's tough to say because you look at last year's team and did they have a lot of playoff experience? No, they did no, this, not. This so like that's what I mean. And then and then look at some of the teams they faced. Like Elena was just in the Super Bowl, and that's a great uh, parallel. Yeah, you know the Patriots obviously have a ton of playoff experience, more, more playoff experience yeah. than anyone combined in some cases. So I don't know. I think it's kind of just something to think about if it's a little bit overrated. I don't think it's totally meaningless. I'm not going to say that. And I think you hit the nail on the head there with the quarterback thing. I think that's, you know, again, that could be a significant thing. I know Jimmy Kemsky has kind of been tweeting out some stats about quarterbacks in their first playoff start, and it doesn't always go well for them. So uh, I think that could certainly be the case this week when we look at a guy in Mitchell Trubisky. Don't call him Mitch. <laughs> Mitchell, um, who is certainly not very threatening uh, at, at first glance. And when you look into it closer, he's really not. I want to say he's like he's not awful, like which is a very you know first of all just a very backhanded compliment. <laughs> um, hey, you're not brutal, so you got that going for you, Mitch. Yeah. He's he's average in most passing categories that you look at. But the thing I always think about when I think about Mitch Trubisky, besides the thing that uh, the old tweet, some of the old tweets that are out there, and the people who know about those will certainly have a laugh. Um, <laughs> um, uh, is when I, I saw him make his first start. I think it was against the Ravens in uh, you know last season. And I've never looked, or, or I've never seen a quarterback look so lost in the mm. game. Like I just remember him constantly looking at the sideline, like play after play, and just seemingly like had no idea like what he was doing or no confidence. And I was just like, man, I didn't really like this guy to begin with. I am definitely not in on this guy now. So <laughs> yeah. now, you know, he's in his second year. I'm sure, you know, the, the coaching is a lot better. Obviously not having John Fox in there and instead having Matt Nagy in there. So I think he's, he's certainly improved since then. But just there's just something about him that I feel like you don't really trust, right? Like if he's your quarterback, like you're not you're not like, oh, yeah, you know, Mitch, Mitch has got this. Like, no, I don't, I don't yeah. think it's like that. Um, so – and that, I think that's a huge reason why Eagles fans are feeling pretty conf- about, confident about going into this game because it's it's just Mitchell Trubisky. Like most fans are going to be confident that Nick Foles can outperform that guy, and that this defense can hold up against that guy. So, you know, maybe I'm really setting myself up here to eat my words. I don't think so. I hope not. But I think that's what it comes. I think that's a, such a huge factor this week when you just look at the quarterback matchup alone. I will note that uh, Mitch Trubisky 8-0 in his last eight games started this year, but I saw this stat online today that when he's played a playoff defense this year, he's combined for five touchdowns and seven interceptions and Mm. has only completed 59.6% of his passes. So um, this will probably be one of the better teams. Obviously, the Eagles are one of the better teams he's faced this year, and we'll have to see how he does. Um, Real quick, before we get to the injury report, um, this will be the third time the Eagles have played the Bears in Chicago in the postseason. Of course, the Fog Bowl. uh, For those of us who are old enough to remember the Fog Bowl, I was 12 for the Fog Bowl, so I remember it vividly. Uh, I remember exactly how infuriated I was at the officials for not postponing the game and i still believe blg that if the if the fog bowl happened today 
given how important television is to the NFL, it was important back then. It's it's even more important now. There's no way TV executives in the NFL would allow a game, an entire half of football to be played when no one could see it. Well, that kind of happened with the Patriots. Didn't it happen like a season or two ago? It probably I don't know if it was as bad as the the, the fog bowl, but they had to like switch to the uh, the sky cam like for the for the game because like they couldn't you know they couldn't get the broadcast view from the. Oh, I don't remember so that, but you might be right. Yeah, I don't think it was quite as bad as the fog bowl, and obviously technology has gotten better. So you know, yeah, you might be able to work difference. around it now. Yeah, yeah. I I just think I I don't know that. I mean, that game should have been post. That game should have been held off until the fog cleared or postponed. And I know that there's scheduling windows and everything like that. You want to get that game done so you don't have people having to split between watching two different playoff games. Whatever. That The Eagles got screwed in 1988. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and then in 2001, uh, in Andy Reid's second playoff run uh, with the team, uh, they'd made the playoffs the year before in 2000. And really, that 2001 playoff was kind of Donovan McNabb's coming out party uh, when he went back home to Chicago and beat a Bears team that was 13-3 um, and that year, very much like this Bears team in that they got a lot of turnovers. They don't have a, a ter- they didn't have a terribly Im- impressive quarterback, uh, but uh, they managed to, to play good defense and had a, a decent running game. And the Eagles just went into Chicago and really dominated that game, even though they didn't pull away until the fourth quarter. Uh, the Eagles went in in 2001 and um, really asserted themselves uh, in a game that they were not favored to win and then lost the following week, obviously, in St. Louis against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. Do you have any memories of either one of those games, BLG? No, way too, way too young. <laughs> before you, <laughs> before BLG's time, everybody. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. It's like that the Fog Bowl game, the more I think about it, the, the less I remember of it because it was it was definitely it's very foggy in your memory. It's fog. It's a haze, man. It's a, I've, I've tried to block it out, to be honest. Um, all right. Let's look at the injury report here. And as far as the Eagles are concerned, uh, had a number of guys limited in practice on Thursday. Fletcher Cox with the knee. Avante Maddox limited in practice with an oblique injury. Uh, Jason Peters with a quad Isaac Siamala with a chest, uh, Wendell Smallwood with the hand, and Mike Wallace with the ankle. Um, I think the two names of note on this list, because I think we know Cox is going to play and Jason Peters is going to play. Yeah. Um, we've heard that Siamalo is actually going to be in the starting lineup for the Eagles yeah. over Wisniewski. We can talk about that more in just a minute. Uh, but Maddox and Smallwood being added to the list here on Thursday. Um, I don't know what this means for Sunday. All I know is... It would be hard for them to lose either guy. I can't believe I'm saying that about Wendell Smallwood, but they really can't afford to lose Maddox. They 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 have to have him in 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 that game on Sunday afternoon. John, do you know who would be starting at corner? Oh, if I don't Monte even want to know. Play? I don't even want to know. Josh Hawkins. <laughs> you made that like, name up. I'm convinced you I made know, that like, name up. There's no uh, way. It's like, not a real person. Anyone knows who that that person is even on the team, but it's true. And I don't, you know, we haven't heard any kind of major panic. So I'm going to assume that's good news on the fact that it was limited. I just, you know, it's a new injury. I never like when new injuries pop up on yeah. the injury report. Every yeah. day, I usually like pre-write the injury report. I have a pretty good idea what's it's, what it's going to look like. And then I have to like add some more stuff in like that. I'm like, ah, not, not good. Not great. Um, it could be nothing. Sometimes that happens. I mean, Jordan Hicks popped up in the injury report at a, nowhere last week and he still played so yeah. I'm not it's not a death nail by any means but uh, certainly something to monitor here I guess again it would be really bad if he couldn't and even with Smallwood because he's really one of the team's most efficient running backs he's played I well believe I'm saying yeah recently yeah at this point which is crazy I mean he, he again he was phased out of the rotation entirely for the second year in a row <laughs> yeah the dead he's been efficient lately and you know look you're probably not going to run all over this Bears defense so that's not so much where it could be the biggest issue. It's just a matter of 
you know, he has a hand issue. So <laughs> his contributions as a pass catcher could potentially be jeopardized. Hopefully not. But overall, uh, no really major surprises on the injury report. Um, good to see that Jordan Hicks isn't on there at all after yeah. having some injury issues last week. Great to see Nick Foles is full go on Thursday after you know dealing with those, those mm-hmm. bruised ribs there. And apparently he's going to be wearing a little bit extra protection this week, so we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, overall, not too bad. And then uh, for, as far as the Bears go, uh, it looks like they will have Eddie Jackson. He was limited. So I'm assuming that, you know, he's probably going to be good enough. But we'll see, you know, yeah. barring a setback. Hopefully you know, that doesn't happen for his sake. But we'll yeah. see here. Um, yeah. And, uh, and wide receiver Anthony Miller uh, said that he dislocated oh, his yeah. shoulder against the Vikings. But No big deal. Yeah, I guess it's happened. it happens all the time. I just pop it back in like uh, Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon. No no yeah. worries. Just you don't smash. even need shoulders to play football, honestly. <laughs> just, you know. They're recommended but not required. Absolutely. Um, and uh, as far as uh, Eagles who did not practice on Thursday, obviously Michael Bennett with the foot. They're just resting him. Um, DJ Alexander with a hamstring. And Sidney Jones with a hamstring. Looks like Sidney Jones once again. Yeah will not be on the field on Sunday. Uh, what a frustrating year for 10 Jones. out of 36 possible Man. games he's played. Yeah, I think that's just brutal 15. Yeah, just brutal. All right. Well, let's get into this game a little bit more here at BLG. And as we look at these two teams, we match them up. Uh, the Chicago, there's a reason they have a 12 and four record this year. They've been very, very good. Um, Chicago's overall DVOA this year is number five, Philadelphia at number 15. The offensive DVOA, Philadelphia is slightly better than Chicago at 16. Chicago is at 20. But defensive DVOA, Chicago is number one in the NFL with uh, the Eagles right in the middle of the pack at number 15. And I think the key matchup to watch, the biggest matchup to watch, especially when the Eagles are on offense, is Lane Johnson versus Khalil Mack, BLG. Uh, Lane Johnson is in the zone right now. I mean, he, he stymied J.J. Watt a couple of weeks ago. He's had tremendous success against some of the league's best pass rushers this year. He's come a long way since his struggles from earlier in the season. But uh, we know how good Khalil Mack is. He is an absolute terror on the edge. And this just is this is a matchup of strength versus strength, BLG. Yeah, I mean that's that's huge. And it's you look at what you know why Mac is so dangerous. It's not that he can just like get to Nick Foles and hit him. It's that he can take the ball away. Like he mm-hmm. he has um Yep. Uh where am I I'm losing my numbers here, John. I'm looking for what he has. I think he has six force fumbles this year. Um so he's really good at getting in there and stripping the ball out. And it's it's not just him, too. I mean, you look at Akeem Hicks. It's another big pass rusher for them uh, as a 3-4 defensive end. Like, they have guys who are going to cause some trouble, potentially, for this Eagles offensive line. And Eagles offensive line is playing really well, but all it takes is one play. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me when I look at this Bears defense. It's not just that, like, they're really good at not allowing you to drive down the field, uh, it's not like they're stingy like that. It's that they take the ball away. You know, yeah. they have yeah. they have 36 takeaways, which leads the league. The next closest team has 31. So not only do they lead the league, wow. but they lead the league by five. Holy and 27 cow. of those 36 have been interceptions. And no other team has more than 21. So again, wow. six more interceptions than the next closest team. Like that's crazy. They're just and it's like legit too. This isn't just like you know something coming together all of a sudden like the players are really talented there's really no weak point on that bears defense you don't look at any of those players and you're like okay you know that's a guy we can pick on it's just it's not like that 
And then, you know, Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, if not the best defensive coordinator in the league. So it's just a really legitimate unit that they have there, and it's going to be tough. And, yeah, this offensive line is going to have to come up big. They're going to – for a couple of reasons. First of all, because, you know, Nick Foles having bruised ribs, you don't really want him to get hit a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's going to have to leave the game if he's getting hit all game, and, you know, they're, they're further damaging those ribs. So hopefully that's not the case. And then I just think – when you talk about you know what's critical in this game, and you can always point to the turnover battle in any given week, you know just as a general point, right, obviously you're, right. you know, you're better when you have more takeaways than turnovers. But I just think in this game, especially in a game that could be so close, that you know like if Nick Foles makes that kind of mistake like he does against Washington early in the game, where he just throws a terrible interception. Like that could be the game right there. Like that could it, it could be a close game. Like I'm just uh, it could be so closely contested that that yeah. one kind of play makes a huge difference. Because you know, look, the Bears aren't going to have too many plays probably where there are almost turnovers. It's not going to be like that. Like they're going to capitalize on these opportunities if you give it to them. And all of a sudden, you know, now you're giving the offense, which doesn't scare you a lot, extra possessions, and that's going to be tough because all of a sudden now, okay, you have to match that again, going up against this tough Bears defense. So I just think turnovers are such a huge thing to kind of be focusing on this week. You just can't have those careless mistakes against this Bears team. But like you mentioned, giving Nick Foles time to throw in the pocket where he's not harassed is going to be the key is going to be the key to all this. And and getting, you know, continued great play from Jason Kelsey on the inside is going to be huge. Brandon Brooks has been unbelievable this year and Isaac Samalo uh, being in there as well. They're going they have to deal with Akeem Hicks who's a a monster in the middle as well. So I mean, this is a this is a, like you said, this is a Bears defense that is better than the Texans defense the Eagles faced just a couple of weeks ago. Um we did mention that Foles has been getting rid of the ball super quick over the last 3 games and it's really helped. He's thrown for over 960 yards passing, which is the most over the last 3 games. He's got a a league best 77% completion rate. He's first in yards per attempt. He's first in net yards per pass play. Um so, I mean, if you can get Nick Foles the time he needs, he they're going to go back to the short passing game because this is a Bears defense that stuffs the run. It's going to be like the Texans game where you're probably not going to be able to run Josh Adams all that much or Wendell Smallwood. I, I, I predicted a big game for Darren Sproles a couple of weeks ago against the Texans, and I'll do the same thing against Chicago. I think, I think they're going to have to use Darren Sproles a lot out of the backfield as a runner and... I'm, pardon me, as a receiver. And, you know, we did see that he broke a couple of runs against the Texans, but that's because he was mostly being viewed as a receiving threat out of the backfield. So, yeah, I, I think that's how the Eagles are going to have to move the ball in short chunks. They're going to have to use they're going to have to use Darren Sproles and they're going to have to use Zach Ertz uh, short over the middle a, a lot to, to get those four and five yard gains. And, uh, and and that's you know, that's the formula, the way the offense played against the Texans is pretty much how you have to do it against Chicago as well. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to get the ball out quick. Like that's imperative. You just, you can't give them time. Like you can't give Khalil Mack time and he makes time to, to, you know, get after it and blindside sack Nick Foles and strip the ball out of his hands. You just, you can't do that. And that's going to be easier said than done sometimes. I mean, because you know, the, the bears are going to be expecting that I'm sure, but you look at what the Eagles did against Washington, who, they don't have an awesome defense, but they have some talent up front. And the way that they were able to just, I mean, now they're not going to be able to 
to do it the way they did against Washington because to have a 19 play 11 minute that was 29 second drive like, it's just <laughs> it's crazy like that's just like, you're not going to be able to do that but I mean yeah. I think you kind of want that kind of thing would be nice to to kind of just you know to control the clock there and kind of just methodically move down and and kind of get the points where you can. Now, I'm not saying don't be aggressive, but, you know, just to kind of, you know, make the most of your opportunities in this game. I think that'll be really important. It's just, you know, now I say all this and we talk about this tough Bears defense. And then part of me just says, like, maybe this doesn't matter because the Vikings supposedly had a pretty good defense last year when they came to Philadelphia yeah. in the NFC Championship yeah. game. We were talking about how they were historically good, especially on third down. Like, they were... There was nothing fluky about that defense. And again, Mike Zimmer is a very good defensive t- uh, mind uh, as a head coach. So like, it's just not like something that totally, you know, got exposed. Uh, so but it was the offensive it, line, wasn't it, though, BLG? Wasn't, it you know, was. That, yeah, that was pretty it much was, the reason. They, yeah, They kept Foles clean, you know, the whole game. Uh, and he didn't, to his credit, you know, he didn't make any mistakes with the ball. Um, so that's what it'll come down to again. And. You have to feel good when you talk about strength versus strength when you have this offensive line that's playing really well. And let's talk about the offensive line a little bit because uh, I guess we didn't get into it. What do we make here of the Eagles seemingly changing their starting left guard with Isaac Samalo expected to be back in the starting lineup now that he's seemingly healthy again and also he was seen taking first team reps in practice. I put up a poll on the post on Bleeding Green Nation, John, and it was about a 50-50 split in terms of people who people want starting at left guard between Samalo and Wisniewski. It is it comes down to 45% Isaac Samalo, 55% Wisniewski. So how are you feeling about that? I'd probably side with on the Wisniewski side. You know, he's he's oh. been in the lineup as this offense has really taken off here over these last last few games. And, you know, I know that uh, Samalo Sam, Sam replaced him earlier in the year for reasons. I, it was, I mean, <laughs> Samalo's played okay, uh, but I think, you know, Wisniewski was also the guy who was part of the stretch run last year. I thought the offensive line played really well together when he was, when he got added to the starting lineup last season. And, so I, I would I would go with Wisniewski. I don't know that you lose a lot with Samalo, but I think that Wisniewski would probably be my choice. What about you? It's interesting because you would think, you know, okay, they're playing well. Like why mess with a good thing? But I guess that just shows you they they clearly feel that you know Samalo is a upgrade over him. It's not necessarily so close. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. I know Kist and Soldak have been talking about how they feel like Samalo has played pretty well, better. I don't want to say pretty good, but you know he they they clearly feel like he's played better than Wisniewski. So I don't really think it makes a huge deal to be honest with you. Either way, we're talking about a left guard here. You know what I mean? Like I just I don't think. It's the the total game changer, but maybe it will be, and then we'll all be questioning. Oh my gosh, why? <laughs> why did, they would have beaten Chicago if they just make this change. I just, I think probably we might might even think about it by the time Sunday is over. Do you think this is another game where Doug Peterson throws balance between run and pass out the window? I almost think he has to, right? We were kind of yeah. just talking about that. Like, I do, I do. Do you really think you're going to get the ball moving on the ground with these running backs and this Bears defense? I mean, they're just incredibly stout. We talk about Mack and Hicks, like the, what those guys can do as pass rushers. They're really good run defenders as well. They have a ton of tackles for loss this year. And you add Eddie Goldman into that mix at, at uh, their nose tackle position. And that's a guy who gave Jason Kelsey some struggles back, I remember, when they played the Bears in 2016. And it makes sense too. I mean, Eddie Goldman's like six four, 
325 and Jason Kelsey is a little bit sl- smaller for a center, yeah. uh, only about 6'3", 280. So it's kind of just a big size mismatch there. Um, so I just don't see them you know, getting these opportunities where they're going to be able to run all over. I don't think you abandon it completely. You know, you, you try it out. You see, you know, what you have going there and you know, manage it where you can and maybe give the offensive line a break from pass breaking all game long. But I just don't really expect it to be a huge weapon for this team. And Smallwood's been playing well recently, but, you know, you can't really just trust him always to be like that. Yeah. And, you know, Josh Adams kind of got off to a really bad start last week before kind of picking it up a little bit. So I think it's kind of like what you said. You kind of just want to get Darren Sproles more involved and the running backs involved in general uh, in the passing game. And that is something I do want to note real quick from last week's game, a little bit of an encouraging sign to see Josh Adams get involved in the receiving game because he had only four receptions coming into week 17 and he had three against Washington. So that was kind of a little bit of a nice thing to see there on the, on the flip side, uh, if we want to flip this around to what the bears can do on offense, their running backs, not so scared of Jordan Howard when it comes to stopping him uh, as a runner because the Eagles run defense has really tightened up here down the stretch. It was kind of a bigger issue in the middle of the season. But I mean, Tariq Cohen, that is a guy who is definitely going to be a problem for this Eagles defense. I know that Donnell Pumphrey was playing the role of <laughs> Tariq Cohen in practice. Uh, oh, so sad. I know. No, he's, but uh, he is essentially uh, the Bears' version of Darren Sproles, and he is a guy who can create a lot of problems uh, for the Philadelphia defense, who is playing a lot better right now. You know, it's it's, and the key is going to be: can they get to Mitchell Trubisky enough so that? Uh, they can make him that they can force him into some mistakes of their own, like of their own. Like you mentioned, the Eagles defense has done a better job forcing some turnovers lately, and that has been a huge help. Um, but getting the, the defensive line getting more pressure on the quarterback has also been really big. And I know uh, that the the Chicago offense is very similar to the st- the type of offense that the Eagles run. Uh, a lot of RPOs in there, a lot of the uh, the short passing game, a lot of the the shallow crossers and and throws into the flat. And that means that Trubisky will probably be getting the ball out quickly as well. And so uh, it's going to be a challenge for this Eagles defense to generate the kind of pressure necessary to get to Trubisky before he gets the ball out. But again, I think the inexperience of Trubisky and you know maybe Jim Schwartz has something else up his sleeve that can uh, give Trubisky a look that he hasn't seen before that's going to be a big key here to stopping the offense because they do have some weapons on the outside BLG Allen Robinson is a really good wide receiver uh, he's he, he can be very dangerous if he had a better quarterback he'd probably have better numbers this year but um, you know he, Robinson is a guy to definitely keep an eye on in addition to Tariq Cohen and uh, and uh, and our old friend Trey Burton they're gonna I think Trey Burton's gonna see a lot of action across the the middle of the field on, on Sunday as well. Yeah, Robinson's a guy who can obviously get you deep. You know, kind of yep. he has that big playability, leads the Bears in big plays receiving this year. I think he's like thirteen point seven yards per reception average. So that's something that's definitely going to test an Eagles defense that really has cut down on giving up those big plays recently. Another big part of their success in this one. Um, just kind of looking again at this Bears offense, the offensive line. It is a pretty – it's a solid unit. I mean, they they rank um, – their 33 sacks rank tied for eighth fewest. Uh, you look at football outsiders, they rank the Bears seventh best in adjusted sack rate. So, you know, they're, they're doing a good job overall of protecting Trubisky. But, I mean, again, when you just look at Mitchell, 
uh, as he wants to be called. I, I just don't. Think we don't have to have... abide by that, though. BLG. No, I we, we just call him Mitch, man. You know, just, I mean, just I mean maybe if the thing. Bears win, I, I have to call him that. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just, I, I just don't trust him. Like, it just comes down to that to me. I, I just, I feel like he's going to make a mistake at some point. It just, it feels like that's going to be the case, especially with this being his first playoff game, and the fact that you, know, you look at the Bears' run game, they rank, and they're the Bears' run blocking ranks twenty eighth. Uh, their 4.1 yards per carry is tied for 27th. Jordan Howard, who kind of gets, I think, a little bit more hype than he might deserve, he's he's averaging 3.7 yards yeah. per carry. It's not yeah. very good. No. Um, three cone is much better, obviously, but he's you know he's not a lead back as much as he is a factor as a receiver. So I just don't think the Bears are really going to be able to get this run game going, and that's what the Eagles want. They don't want you to be able to run the ball. They want you to have to pass all game long because that gives them a chance for their pass rushers to go and make a play, and they've been doing that recently. Fletcher Cox has been unstoppable, like I said, (laughs) uh, as he was last week. So I think that plays into the Eagles' hands. If they can stop the run here and they can kind of tee off on Trubisky, that's that's what they need, and that's what they want to get in this game. And now, with all that said, the one thing about Trubisky that you do kind of have to, to worry about is he is not bad when it comes to mobility. I mean, he ranks yeah. fifth overall in quarterbacks in rushing, so he's going to be able to you know get some yards with his legs here and kind of move around a little bit, and that's something the Eagles will certainly have to keep in check as mobile quarterbacks have come to hurt them at times. That is a factor they have to consider. But overall, I mean, I just don't think you look at – Trubisky and be like, you know, that's a guy who's really going to carry this Bears team to a win, especially against all odds and adversity. I just, I don't really think that's the picture here. So this Bears offense is definitely, it's it's capable because uh, you have Nagy here and he's going to, he's going to, you know, drop some interesting stuff and, and their offensive coordinator too, Mark Helfrich from Oregon. Like they have some good scheming here, but I just, it's not like a juggernaut of an offense by any means. Again, it ranks 20th in DVOA, 20th in yards per play. Um, they rank 23.6. They have 23.6 offensive points per game, which is 12th. So their points are a lot better than the yards. But, you know, that factors in because their defense is so many turnovers. And they have yeah. the seventh best average starting field possession. So that's another big reason why turnovers are so important. Because like if you're not giving this Bears offense good starting field position, they're not going to be able to, you know, just drive down the field the whole game probably uh, and, and have these long field drives. So I think that's kind of just another reason why that's important. Now, one thing the Bears offense does do really well is score when they do get into the red zone. They are fifth in red zone conversion. So that'll be an interesting battle because the Eagles are first overall, as I said, in red zone defense. So that's kind of just another strength versus strength matchup to watch there. And that'll be really critical. I mean, you know, if the Eagles can get stops in the red zone in this game, Cody Parkey is not the best kicker. You know, not our, at all. Our, our former friend and uh, <laughs> once a folk hero uh, kind of for this team. I mean, he is only kicking 76.7 on the year, which ranks 27th out of kickers. He's missed three in the 30 to 39 range, and he's missed six in the 30 to 49 range. So, you know, not exactly just missing the far kicks there. He's missing some of the easy ones too. He's also missed three extra points and one was last week. So that could come up big in this game. You know, you're looking at a potential defensive struggle close game and all of a sudden Cody Parkey is missing one kick or at least a couple. And I think that could be another big thing in this game. 
Yeah, and just hopefully Jake Elliott makes all his extra points because I feel good about Jake Elliott with a with a pressure kick that if he has to make one. But um, just want to make sure you get that seventh point on those touchdowns, Jake, uh, because this probably will be a single possession game, if not a field goal game between these two teams. It's it should be a pretty close one. Um, well, we'll get into our predictions for this game uh, coming up here in just just a few minutes. But first, uh, there are three other games on Wild Card Weekend that we should talk about BLG, and we'll give. Give everybody our picks for, and uh, we will start off with the first game of the weekend on Saturday, and that's the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. The Texans favored by one and a half. Who do you have in this one? Texans, frauds. Colts, real Ooh. deal. Frank Reich, baby. I mean, this team started one and five. They've gone on a run. They've made the playoffs. I was so confident in the Colts beating the Titans last week, even before I knew Mariota wasn't going to play. I just, I just <laughs> knew it. Like they're, yeah. they're just a really good team. They're a really well coached team. Their offensive line is playing great for them, and you just trust in Frank Reich and his coaching ability, and he should be coach of the year. So I feel really good about that one. I just, I don't buy the Texans overall. Um, they might be a little bit better than I'm giving them credit for, just because Watson and he can obviously do some incredible things. But I mean. Think about Bill O'Brien and the way he cowardly, you know, did not. He go is for a it coward, man. That yeah, what he's like, a he's a yellow belly how, man. How can you take him over Frank Reich right now? Oh. So that's what it comes down to for me. No, I do, and, and you know, people are sleeping on Andrew Luck too. Andrew Luck is still a great quarterback. The Eagles were lucky to get that Colts team in Philadelphia at the beginning of the season before they had really hit their stride. And you're right, Frank Reich versus. O'Brien. I mean, I still can't believe that the how, the the, op, the the chances that he gave away with punts in that game against the Eagles a couple of weeks ago. Those some of those fourth and shorts where you, you know, it's just it's we're so used to seeing Doug Peterson go for those that it seemed obvious that Bill O'Brien should go for them. And nope, the a coward went and kicked it every single time. So cowards don't win. And I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna take the Colts to win that game as well. Seattle at Dallas, uh, BLG. Dallas oh, favored by man. two points at home. Now, before we get to our picks, I want to play. I want to play a quick clip of the of the only other time the Cowboys and the Seahawks have met in postseason history. Give a listen. Nineteen yard field goal attempt. Oh, it is fumbled by Romo, and then Romo's going to run to the end zone, and he's going to get tackled by Jordan Babineau. Amazing. Unbelievable! How crazy is this? There is nothing automatic in football. Oh, the ball just slipped out of his hands. It was a good snap. And he went to put it down and it just slipped. So that, of course, uh, BLG, the Tony Romo poppled snap on the chip shot field goal that would have given the Cowboys a two-point lead. Now, the Seahawks still had like a little over a minute left in the game. They possibly could have gone down the field. Russell Wilson's a magician. They could have gone down the field and gotten a field goal. There's no guarantee the Cowboys win that game. But, I mean... What an what an incredible play! That I mean, one of the one of the all time classic NFL plays back in 2006 when Tony Romo bobbled the snap as the holder for the field goal, and so now Dallas going to try and exercise some of those demons at home against the Seahawks. Dallas favored by two. BLG, I think I think Seattle wins this game, and I think they win it pretty easily. I mean, I don't even oh, I think this is a six or a seven point. Nervous. 
I know that I'm. I, I know the jinx thing. I'm. The I'm worst. not a jinx. You're not a. I got. Generally speaking, you are not a letdown guy. I am generally not a jinx guy. So I'm just <laughs> gonna go right on through. I'm gonna say Seattle wins this game and wins it comfortably. BLG. I hope you're right. I just you know I think back to the Saints game. I'm like, it was just come on. The Saints should have beaten the, the Cowboys in Dallas. Like they should have won, and they just they didn't. And it kind of scares me a little bit. And I think back to when the Eagles or no, when the Cowboys were last in the playoffs in 2015, and you know they they played the Lions on Wild Card Weekend, and the refs just handed them the win. Like that was yeah. that was so pathetic. I <laughs> I was so mad about that. So I'm kind of afraid something like that would happen. But overall, I mean, this Cowboys team they tried to win in Week 17 for no good reason, have nothing to play for. That was bizarre. And their starting left guard is now out for the game, basically because of that. By the way, uh, so that's stupid. By Jason Garrett, and you know they barely managed to beat that Giants team—a a bad Giants team. Like they barely, they barely managed to beat them. You know, trying to play to win that game, and you just look at the rest of Dallas's peripherals here, and they're 14th in point differential. Two non-playoff teams rank higher than them. Um, they're 21st overall in DVOA. So I just don't think they're an actually good team. I know they had that run there; they beat the Saints. I just don't think they're actually good. And I think the Seahawks, even though they struggle a little bit there against Arizona, uh, I think they are a really good team. And now, in fairness, I don't know why the Seahawks were playing, trying to play to win either. They had nothing to play for. Um, but I, I just think you know the Seahawks are going to find a way to win this game. If we want to talk about playoff experience mattering. Ugh. The Seahawks certainly have that, and the Cowboys do not. So um, I would just love for... It's probably not going to be that same exact play, of course, but I would just love for Dak Prescott <laughs> to have some signature choke moment against the Seahawks following in the oh, footsteps yeah. of Tony Romo. It would be great to see. Um, so, jinx be damned, I will take the Seahawks. Please be damned. And I want to say, yeah. if that happens, the Eagles will have automatically outlasted the Cowboys. That's right. In the so, who are the real NFC's champion. <laughs> well, I know what the T-shirts will say, but I know in my heart what it'll be. Last, uh, the last of the wild card games uh, before the Eagles game. The Eagles play last here this weekend. The LA Chargers at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens favored by two and a half here. BLG. Uh, so far, we have picked both of the road underdogs to win here on Wild Card Weekend. This feels like a game where I think you got to pick the home team to win this one. Yeah, Baltimore is just really hot right now. I mean, they just beat the Chargers in L.A. Uh, in Week 16. Not that that means everything, but I think it says something. And when I look at this, what this Ravens team has done lately, they are 6-1 and one in their last seven games. The one loss came in overtime to the Chiefs in Kansas City. And I just think they're playing really good football right now. Uh, even if Lamar Jackson isn't at his best, I still think that defense is just so good. And the Chargers, they always choke. They always uh, choke. I was going to say choke. that. Yeah, they always and, do. And they've done it a little bit less this year. Like, they've done it a little bit less. So maybe there's some kind of hope for them. But I just think, you know, that Baltimore defense is going to be really tough at home. And the Ravens are just playing so well recently that it's kind of tough for me to bet against them. Isn't it totally the Chargers to finish 12-4 and four and have to play – a first round playoff game on the road. I mean, isn't yeah. that just the most chargers thing, the most Philip rivers thing ever 
that this is happening to them. And not only that, is they're playing in the 1 o'clock Eastern game here on Sunday. Well, yeah, that's that's a 10 a.m. start time, according to, you know, the, the the West Coast folks, you know. And that's that's asking a lot of a team to fly across the country and play a game where normally it would be, according to your internal clock, about 10 in the morning. I think that's a tough ask for the Chargers. So, yeah, I'm taking yep. Baltimore, um, and I think, that'll, I think they'll win by three or four points in that one. All right, BLG, it's the moment of truth, my friend. Uh, Eagles versus Bears. The Bears are favored by six points at home. You want to go first with your picks, or you want me to take the first stab at it? I'll let you go first. So, obviously, I mentioned the postseason experience before. I do think that helps this Philadelphia team, knowing that they can come in calm, cool, collected, uh, that they they. They've been here before. They they know what they're doing. They're the, defend, they're the defending Super Bowl champions. Nick Foles is playing out of his mind right now. Uh, I think we're seeing Doug Peterson back. I think, I don't know what it is, but when Doug Peterson is calling this the Nick Foles version of the offense, it seems to flow a lot easier, flow a lot better. I, I think he's in a groove again here as the playoffs are rolling along as far as his play calling is concerned. But I think the most important part of this Eagles team right now is that the offense, the two most important things, the offensive line is playing like it did last year, and the Eagles secondary has stabilized. Those were the two big problems early on in this season for the team. As Lane Johnson was struggling, Jason Peters was struggling, even Jason Kelsey was having his issues with some injuries early on in the season, and, and Carson Wentz wasn't getting any time to throw, getting pressured all the time the running game wasn't finding any ground because the o-line wasn't opening up any holes now all of a sudden those things have turned around and all of the injuries in the secondary blg were were killers in the middle of the season when they went into new orleans and when they when they had to play some of those teams and and just had no one back there when when avante mags just didn't have the reps when rasul douglas just didn't have the reps craven leblanc didn't have the reps necessary to to know what they were doing out there they didn't know where they were supposed to stand part of the time remember that Giants game until and until Malcolm Jenkins went to Jim Schwartz and said you need to simplify this man they had no idea where they were supposed to be on the field and it's just been such a night and day difference over the last three weeks it seems like the secondary is playing pretty darn well against some some good competition over the last uh, couple of weeks with the Rams and and the Texans so I think the Eagles win this game. I would take, um, you know, I, I think uh, certainly I wouldn't take the Bears with the, you know, and as six point favorites. Um, I think this is a a close game. I certainly don't think this is a game the Bears win comfortably, and I think this is a game the Eagles do win. I think it's an offense. I think it's a defensive struggle. I'm going to say uh, twenty to seventeen, BLG. Twenty to seventeen. All right. So for me. I just think, you know, again, you, you what, what we talked about earlier in the show, this Eagles team has stuff going on for them that is very sustainable and it's very similar to last year. They're getting great quarterback play. They're getting great play from the trenches. They're getting good coaching. Those things will help you win not only in the playoffs, just any time of the year. And And the Eagles are going into the playoffs as the team that no one wants to play not just because they're on this hot streak. Because, I mean, other teams are going into the playoffs hot, too. The Eagles have been there before. They were just there last year. They know what it takes. When you want to talk about experience, there is some kind of factor in there where, you know, this team has been there before. So it's not like the moment is suddenly just going to be too big for them. And I think, conversely, it might be for Mitchell Trubisky. Mitch, whatever you want to call him. So I <laughs> Mitchy think... Mitchie Poo. I like Mitchy. <laughs> I think that's what's going to kind of going to be the case. I think it will be a very competitive game. Uh, I do think it'll come down to the wire. I do think it will be twenty-one to twenty, and I think it just might end on a Cody Parkey 
missed field goal <laughs> as the clock runs out. It'll be heartbreak in Chicago for the wonderful people of Chicago. I love Chicago. Great city. So bad news for them. But great news for the Eagles as they advance to the divisional round to play in New Orleans against the Saints. I think oh, man. that's what it'll be. Man, you got to take that. Well, well, we'll jump off that bridge when we get to it because uh, – that game was nightmare-inducing earlier in the season, but I do feel good about this game on Sunday, BLG. I just, I have a good feeling that the Eagles are going to come away with a victory here in Chicago. I don't think this Bears team is overly impressive offensively. BLG, any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up here this uh, this uh, wild card preview show, my friend? Win. Love it. Love it. And folks, make sure that you uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you, by the way, all of you guys, for a tremendous 2018 as we're going into 2019 here uh, with the relaunch of BGN Radio and the Bleeding Green Nation podcast. Uh, it's been awesome. You, your support uh, on the podcast over the, the 2018 season has been phenomenal. Um, you guys are coming to the podcast in droves right now. Obviously, this is a very interesting team. We got some lots of playoff podcast content this week, and uh, make sure you keep coming back because the Kiston and Solak Show have a lot going on as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening to episode number 30 of BGN Radio. For Brandon Lee Gowton, again, you can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Gowton, and you can follow me on Twitter also at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time, hopefully next week, previewing another playoff matchup right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team, the Flyers.